Welcome to The Real Talk with Tanya Sakowitz podcast, where we help parents and caregivers gain knowledge to increase their confidence and their success in caring for young children. We will cover topics like feeding your baby, getting your baby and you some much needed sleep, and pretty much anything else that has to do with caring for babies and their families after birth. Society sets parents up to fail, and we are here to change that. You can also find full video versions of each episode on our YouTube channel, Newborn Care Solutions. Thanks for tuning in. Good evening and welcome to Real Talk, where every Sunday night we offer insight, education, and resources to in-home caregivers and those affected in their world. These are the children, the parents, the extended family, and everyone who loves them. And our goal is to offer real-life topics and learning through discussing real issues and offering real solutions. And tonight, I am very excited to welcome our guest, who shares my name. So our guest tonight is Tanya Tringali. Welcome, Tanya. It's great to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Tanya, and then we're going to dig into her topic tonight, which I know you're going to find really fascinating. So Tanya is the owner and founder of Mother Wit Maternity. She is a midwife on a mission to provide wellness services that promote optimal pregnancy outcomes, safe and satisfying birth experiences, and ease the transition into parenthood. Motherwood is committed to reducing maternal morbidity and mortality by helping people make lifestyle and healthcare choices that are sustainable and improve their quality of life. So we love that. Tanya herself is an NASM certified personal trainer, and I'll have you tell us what that is when we get back to it, CrossFit Level 1 coach, and pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. Tanya works with people who are navigating fitness throughout the perinatal period and particularly enjoys helping people who have diastasis recti, pelvic organ prolapse, and stress urinary incontinence that impact their work, their lifestyle, hobbies, and goals. She also provides education to the healthcare providers with the goal of dispelling myths, reducing fears, and improving their evidence base so they can better support their clients' goals. I love that. And we are going to dig into that because a lot of those words are very familiar to me, unfortunately, because clearly if I know how to pronounce them, I know what they are, right? (laughs) On a personal level. So, but before we jump into all this tonight, tell us a little bit about why this is such a passion for you. Yeah. um, Basically everything you just read, which thank you for taking the time to read that. I have not heard that spit back to me in a while and I realize it's a mouthful, Um, but everything that's there, even listening to it now after doing this for four or five years, um, is stuff that is missing in our traditional healthcare setting. And it's stuff that lends itself really well to working with people deeply and virtually. Mm-hmm. So it's given me the opportunity to work with people all over the world and fill in our healthcare gaps, um, of which you know there are many. We're going to talk about one specifically today, but my bio kind of... Uh, points out how many gaps there are in our current healthcare system. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, sometimes it feels almost futile. You know, we're out here slugging along, trying to make a difference one family at a time and thinking, does this make a difference? And yeah, absolutely it does. And over time, all of us 
doing our little part is going to equal something big. So I love that you are doing this. I love that it's a passion because this is so needed. Uh, so I want to dig into this. I want to talk about this. So share with our audience first, what is it that you mean by the postpartum care gap? And what do we need to do to do better? Yeah. So the postpartum care gap is, I think everyone will immediately identify with this. Uh, Americans and most people around the world in developed countries get a lot of healthcare during pregnancy. And while I could pick some of that apart, all in all, it's really good care. And we're seen and we're paid attention to a lot. And then you have your baby and it's like you fall through the abyss. It's an actual gap. You are not seen from the moment you are sent home, assuming you've given birth in a hospital, which most Americans do. You are not seen from days two to four when you go home until six weeks postpartum. An occasional wonderful practice sees you one time in the middle of that, pretty much out of the goodness of their heart. They're not paid to do that. Um, and that's something I think most people don't know. And wonderful providers will try to take your phone calls, but let's face it, they're busy seeing people in the office. They're busy catching more babies. You know, you can't get them. You feel guilty calling all of the things, right? So postpartum is where I find there to be the, the largest gap. And I'm not the one who coined the term postpartum care gap. That's been around for a long time. Even the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists acknowledges that this is a problem and that we need more care. But our care is basically run by the way insurance companies force us as providers to bill and we are stuck in this rut and we can't get out. And it becomes the responsibility of individuals to layer on extra support and extra layers of care. And then, of course, that's why you're seeing a shift of healthcare providers sort of leaving the system, becoming entrepreneurs and trying to do things differently because we on the other side of the equation are a little fed up too in the ways in which we're not able to help our clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And clearly with the huge rise in the postpartum doula market, the huge rise in the newborn care specialist market, there's a need. And I love that parents in particular are becoming aware of that need and are seeking out how do, how do I fill this? But there's still a huge lack of knowledge around, okay, there is a gap. We can acknowledge that, but what do I do? So what are your, what are your thoughts about how we can get better about this? Well, first of all, the work that you do is definitely part of the equation, but I think where I am positioned in this, what I see is a shift from care of the mother or pregnant person to care of the baby and this absence of care of the postpartum person. Mm -hmm. So in a certain respect, and I know we could debate the nuances of it, we've got babies pretty well cared for, and we've got pregnant people well cared for, but it's the postpartum person that's not. Mm -hmm. So that's where my attention is. So as a certified nurse midwife, my license allows me to care for newborns up to 28 days. So after that 28 day mark, it's not in my purview anymore. And let's face it, I'm, I'm working virtually with families. I'm not really taking care of the baby. The baby is going to the pediatrician, getting all of its care. But nonetheless, people have just absolutely tons and tons of questions that need to get answered about their body and the experience they're having. So much of postpartum, very much like pregnancy, especially when it's your first time around, is a series of feelings and sensations that you can say, 
well, this is new, but is it normal? Am I okay? Should I worry? Should I not? And we're, now we're thinking about that about our baby, but I think pediatricians try to be more accessible and new parents are never going to let their baby be sick. They always call. They're very proactive about their babies, but they're not proactive about themselves. So even in my provision of virtual healthcare, I, it's sad for me to say this, but it's true. I am sometimes the person who finds that somebody needs to be seen in the office or even go back to the hospital because I'm in so much contact with the person. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing this for so long that I can see those warning signs of postpartum preeclampsia, of infection, of breast infection, yada, yada, all the things. So right. that's just one piece of it. But even when that's the minority of situations, it's the case that people are feeling all kinds of things and just don't know where to begin and understanding that. So I think everyone deserves a healthcare provider that is highly accessible all the time, that they truly believe they can ask all of their questions all of the time, anytime. Mm -hmm. And so that's, is that kind of what led you to go to a virtual model? Well, the pandemic pushed me to fully virtual. I was already doing some amount of virtual, um, but I did have a physical location and then the pandemic shut me down mm -hmm. and I gathered that it was going to be longer before pregnant people and people with babies were comfortable venturing back out. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I knew I was going to have a hard time, right? I was a fairly early phase startup at the time. Um, and I knew I had to regroup quickly. Uh, mm -hmm. And the truth is the virtual piece is working beautifully. Mm -hmm. um, I can do so many of these things. I often halfway, I'm joking a little bit, but, you know, hand skills, I think anyone can learn them. You know, it's a tactile skill. We can all learn how to do something with our hands, but learning how to talk to people and learning how to deeply pay attention and assess. Some people can't be taught that. Mm -hmm. And I feel that when I look back on my 20 plus years of doing this work, that's my gift. My gift is finding the nuance in the conversation and figuring out how to move people forward in their journey. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, take postpartum, for example, I know we'll dive into some specifics more, but, you know, half of my clients come to me with an underlying mental health disorder. And the other half are coming to me in part because they're worried about mood disorders in the postpartum period. Mm -hmm. And that's become something that I'm so attuned to. And I'm so proactive about that. I'm keeping people on the right path, getting them help early when I'm not enough. So it's things like that. Right. And I was just, just had a conversation with somebody earlier today about virtual support and virtual medical care and, and some of the differences. And one of the things that came up was ironically in some of our notes about this today was how do you know What's good care and what's not? What is it? Some if somebody says, "Okay, maybe I need this. Maybe this appeals to me." How do they know if what they're getting is actually quality? If it's a good program, are they kind of all the same, or are there differences? Oh wow, there's just tons of differences. But first, I want to say, so as a healthcare provider, separate from the work that doulas are out there doing, which God bless the doulas, I love them all. Mm -hmm. um, but I, what I'm doing is a bit different, mm -hmm. um, and. There is a big difference between the type of care someone gets when they just have an isolated virtual visit as part of their care. So I want everyone to think back to the pandemic if they had a healthcare experience. When you just have a routine visit that's done virtually, that's really different than being part of something that's larger than that singular individual visit. 
right? So I think there's a lot of feelings from healthcare providers and clients alike about virtual care when it happens in that format. It's a one-off kind of visit or it's a prenatal visit where everybody has agreed that there's very little that needs to be done that involves hands-on stuff. And so it's done virtual. It's really different than the work that I'm doing and that I know a lot of other people are out there doing. My work is about relationship building. And so I would say that the primary thing is, A, you want to make sure that you're working with someone who has a lot of experience under their belt. Virtual work is harder unless you have a lot of experience and you have just a lot of nuance built in. So especially, this is a little bit of an aside, but if we're talking about fitness-related things, you can get really good support when it comes to your body and physical therapy and personal training virtually. But I do believe that someone needs a lot of experience having worked with people in real life before they can make that leap or that transition. So it's similar here. Um, So I think it's about years of experience. I think it's about the connection, trust. Are you on the same page? Do you have the same values? Is your provider able to be um, non-biased and not present their agenda? So for example, I think people who know something about midwifery, but maybe not enough, have a tendency to think we are absolutist about natural birth or whatever, fill in the blank with a lot of different things like that. And that's not true. I see my job as being about supporting the evidence base that exists in combination with really intense shared decision-making with clients and helping clients make the individual decision that's right for them right? I'm not the one who's going to take this baby home at the end of the day. I'm not the one who has to go through that labor. Mm -hmm. And so I want it to be what it is that you need. But sometimes that means we're unpacking previous traumas, um, getting to the root of the evidence where somebody is afraid based on stories they heard, which may or may not be true or accurate or clear. So I spend a lot of time with people unpacking these experiences to get them on the right path. Fabulous. So if you were giving advice to somebody who said, you know, I'm looking into all this, I don't really know what, where do they start in terms of trying to avoid, because we know this is a big discussion, postpartum mood disorders, where do they start with trying to ensure that they are in a good place or that they have those safety measures, those stop gaps in place? Because obviously we know that people don't go, yeah, I think I want to have postpartum depression, right? Yeah. You don't get to pick. Yeah. So where do they start? Well, the answer actually goes really far back and I won't belabor this point because I think we don't have all day. Um, But there's something that we don't talk about enough called preconception care, which Mm -hmm. is that our healthcare related to becoming pregnant needs to start before we're pregnant in a perfect world. But again, that's a billing issue. We don't have great codes for this. And people don't generally walk into offices and say, help me be healthy, help me stay healthy before I do this thing, right? Um, And so it's an underutilized form of care that I think midwives are particularly great at um, because of the way we develop relationships with people. But so it starts back there. But anyway, let's just fast forward to about 36 weeks of pregnancy. I really encourage people to start shifting gears. Hopefully by 36 weeks, you have figured out what it is you want out of your birth. You have figured out how to build in a little bit of flexibility into the system because we all know that things creep up. And when we only have one plan, sometimes we don't get exactly what we want. So we want to be a little bit more flexible about that. 
But that's the time frame that I want to see people really shifting their energy into preparing for postpartum. So that's when I tend to start working with families that want support is we want to do some preparatory work, especially if someone has an underlying mood disorder, right? So those mood disorders, we ideally want to be getting people settled before they're pregnant, getting them on the right meds during pregnancy, if that's what they need. If they don't want meds, that's okay too, but we want to get somebody off and get them settled and stable on whatever they're going to be on or, or not. Um, And then postpartum things can shift again. And one of the things people really don't know is how important sleep is when somebody already has a mood disorder or in the development of a mood disorder. So anyone who's worked with me, one of the, no two people have the same experience working with me, but everyone across the board will say, we talked about sleep a lot and it's a deep dive into sleep. It's not like a cookie cutter kind of thing. I have to hear your family dynamics, your sleeping dynamics, which one of you is a night owl? Which one of you is a morning person? How do we factor in the baby? Are you breastfeeding? Are you not? Are you combo feeding? What are all the factors, right? How do we prioritize breastfeeding against mental health? Because as much as I want those both things for many people, they don't often align perfectly depending on the severity of the situation. So it's about really unpacking this for people and helping them make the choice that's going to be right for them and helping them be ready to shift when things aren't maybe going perfect or according to plan, which happens more often than not. I tend to talk to my clients about um, speed bumps. I call them speed bumps. If you imagine, I'm making up a number, that there's 100 possible speed bumps we can hit in the postpartum period. Totally making up a number here. I think everyone hits about three, right? Like the average person hits about three. Every so often someone gets lucky and hits less. And every so often there's somebody who gets hit pretty hard and they, they have more. But the average person hits a few speed bumps and we don't know what they're going to be. So you want to have someone on hand who's ready to deal with what's happening in the moment. Yeah. And that's, that's a key component. Of course, that's part of my passion is being there in that and being able to be that support. We uh, teach our students um, very much so that the parent is just as much our responsibility as the baby is, even if we're newborn care specialists. Mm-hmm. Even if all that is, is recognizing that something's wrong and being their support as they get help. Um, and, you know, obviously we go into that a lot more, but the reality is, is that there's a lot of things. So you mentioned sleep. Of course, sleep is a passion of mine. Um, I love to sleep. I also love to see my clients sleep and I love to see babies sleep. Everybody does better with good sleep. Um, but you mentioned sleep. There's other things that are really important that a lot of times, particularly if we have a traditional postpartum care provider, are not being addressed. Let's talk about some of them because I know my youngest is almost 15. And I've only recently had somebody say to me, you know, you really ought to maybe consider pelvic floor physical therapy. Why are we not talking about this in the medical community? Um, and why is it important to talk about it? Yeah. Um, well, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, and it's one of the things, so like, you know, people go to a six week postpartum visit and the average person gets a 15 minute visit. Part of that time is spent on an exam. The rest of the time is usually something like this. What do you want to do for, what do you want to do for birth control? And the person hasn't even thought twice yet. And now they're on the spot and they can barely pull together an answer. And they're sent out the door with a prescription. And they're like, I don't even know if that's what I want, but it's already over before it began. The truth is a six-week postpartum visit in my worldview needs to be slowly unpacked 
probably starting around four weeks when we're maybe coming out of the earliest fog. And then that conversation needs to go on till at least about eight weeks so that we've got about a month to unpack some bigger concepts. And those concepts often overlap with reasons we might tell someone to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. So namely returning to sex and returning to physical activity. Those are the two times where we can start to see uh, symptoms creeping up when we're sitting on the couch, nursing or feeding our baby, we might think we're doing great. And we don't know we're having a problem until we start trying to be active again or return to a sex life. And let's talk, let's think about it. A sex life is complicated postpartum. So even if you have no problems, I talk about sex for hours with my clients because it's something that takes some soul searching and understanding what's going on with your hormones and fear of scar tissue from a tear or an episiotomy. I mean, the list goes on and on. These are not conversations we can have in one 15 minute postpartum visit. So again, it's about the deep dive into all the things that people are going through that maybe they, they never even thought of that need deep discussion with someone they trust. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I want to take just a minute just because I think it is really important. If somebody's out there and going, what's pelvic floor therapy and why would I need it? Sure. Give us a couple quick. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. So I would argue that everyone needs to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, a pelvic floor physical therapist is a physical therapist first. They have a doctoral degree in physical therapy, and then they go on to obtain additional training Um, that is very specific to the pelvic floor. It's not just for women. Men can get pelvic floor physical therapy too, for various reasons. Um, The most common reasons to see a pelvic floor physical therapist are pain, uh, leaking urine or leaking stool. Um, Diastasis recti is not necessarily a reason anyone has to see a PT, but if they're having trouble in terms of their core functioning, and they they recognize that, that may need some attention and some strategies. And basically, pelvic floor physical therapists work in a couple different main ways, broad strokes here. One is that they do assess you internally. So it's a little like having a vaginal exam when you're with your midwife or your OB, but it's different because they're feeling for musculature in a way that we are not trained to do. And so that's another big myth that I like to bust is that people think that they've had their pelvic floor checked when a midwife or a doctor says, can you do a Kegel for me? And I hate to break it to you. We aren't well-trained enough and that's just not a good enough measure. So that's why I argue that everyone should see a PT because I believe it's the only way to get a good assessment. So unless you feel hundred percent perfect, you have zero symptoms of anything okay, maybe there's a small percentage that don't need it. But I think most people can benefit from even just a clean bill of health and a few strategies that you would learn in a singular visit with a PT. And by the way, people in France have pelvic floor physical therapy included in their postnatal care, right? So there are places that are leaps and bounds ahead of us. We think we're so good at everything. And yet when when we hear the behind the scenes stories, we realize that we're getting the short end of the stick. (laughs) Yeah, most definitely. Um, and I, to me, that's just profound, not only that they get it in France, um, but a lot of countries do things differently than we do. And a lot of times better, um, but profound that most people could benefit from that because that's certainly not something we're hearing in the postpartum period. Yep. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we already are like learning a lot. Um, but we are also almost out of time already. So 
what I would ask you is if you could look at our audience, knowing that we're dealing with parents, we're dealing with postpartum doulas, we're dealing with newborn care specialists, we're dealing with nannies. What would be the one big thing that you would say in the postpartum period? Yeah, I mean, if I'm my first thought is really speaking to the people that are pregnant or holding on to very little babies in their arms right now. And that is, if you are alone in your home, even just with your partner, get some help. It doesn't have to be paid help. It doesn't have to be a doula or a midwife or anyone in particular, but you need another set of hands as often as possible for at least the first couple of weeks, perhaps longer. Um, so that you can make that transition. We were never meant to do this alone. And yet our world has evolved too fast. And we now do it alone all too often. Um, And so getting some support and figuring out how you're going to do that. And I know that can be complicated for people. People have complicated family lives or they live far away from their families. Uh, But I encourage everyone to figure out how to build a community as best they possibly can. I think the doulas and newborn care specialists out there know this stuff. I think I would be preaching to the choir if I tried to impart some wisdom on them. I hope that they found some of this conversation interesting as well. But anyway, my advice is mainly for the parents. Yeah, I love that. But I would also tell you that as an experienced newborn care specialist, I thought, I got this. Are you kidding me? Of all people, send this baby home with me. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And I was a mess after my child was born. And I thought, oh, I'll be fine. I'll get, I got this. I'll, I ended up bringing in help because I realized I was not coping well. Well, yeah. and that's one of the things, right? Experts in their own right still need, like, I need a midwife. I can't be my own midwife. Everyone needs what they are. Mm -hmm. And we can play some weird games with ourselves and trick ourselves into thinking we don't, but we all do. (laughs) Absolutely. I get it. And after, after I had that support, then I truly understood the value of what I brought to families. And trust me with my next baby, I literally hung up the phone from telling my husband I was pregnant, picked it up and called my newborn care specialist and said, what do you look like next spring? Cause I need you again. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it was, it was a huge priority to make that happen. Um, and I agree that support and the fact that we do like it or not, we can spend all day preaching about it shouldn't be that way, but you know what? We can't focus on dealing in what should or shouldn't be. We got to deal with reality. And the reality is we don't have a culture in the world, at least here in the U.S., that supports the postpartum family. There is a massive gap in that care, and there's a need to fill that gap. So I love that you have joined us tonight and shared some information around this. We're going to share your information in the feed also and in the um, promotion of this so that people can reach out to you if they're interested in learning more or talking with you. But thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Tanya. It was great. Absolutely. My pleasure. So to all of you in our audience, thank you for joining us tonight. We always love when we get to share a little bit and you get to learn with us. If you'd like to catch any of our other past episodes on replay or watch this one again, you can go to newborncaresolutions.com, click on the education tab, and it will take you to all of our free content. And in addition, we have a YouTube channel. 
You just put Newborn Care Solutions Real Talk in the search engine and it all comes up. Thank you for joining us and have a great night. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk with Tanya Sackowitz podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you liked what you heard, please share it on social media or send it directly to someone you think might benefit. It would also be a huge support if you could rate and review the podcast on whatever player you're currently listening on so that other people can find the content easier. You can also connect to us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok, or checking out our website at newborncaresolutions.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Real Talk Podcast with Tanya Sakowitz.